like kind of going into COVID season shutdowns, I almost was feeling a little bit tired and just like I'd been doing the same stuff. And this season has been such a breath and it's enabled me to have space and to see like, oh, maybe I don't have to do all of those things. And that has been exciting for me. I feel like I'm just getting started again. You are listening to the Christian Music Archive podcast, part of the new release today podcast network. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Each week, I share stories about Christ, community, and music, chatting with musical guests who you will find listed on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. There are thousands of creative men and women who have helped shape the soundtrack of the Christian faith, and we get to hear their stories, learn about how Christ has made a difference in their life, and hopefully along the way, we'll learn how we can be a better part of our community. I really love Christian music. <laughs> you probably know that by now. And I also really enjoy talking to people about their life and journey with Christ. And as a regular listener to this podcast, I know you know that too. One of the things that I also enjoy is discovering new music. And it was a couple of years ago that I discovered the music of John Tibbs. His album Dead Man Walking is a great mix of Americana and Heartland Rock with a declaration of God's promises. I immediately added that album to my regular rotation, and when I started this podcast, I knew I wanted to talk to John and to introduce his music to you. My first couple of attempts to connect with John were about the same time that he and his wife Emily were preparing to welcome their son Jack into the world. So back in February, we were finally able to connect, and today is the day I get to introduce you to John Tibbs. Before our conversation today, I want to tell you about another exciting Mercy, Inc. program. Starfish Kids is a child sponsorship and development program in the northern part of Haiti. Students in 30 schools are sponsored each month for $25 a month. That money pays for tuition and books so that the students can get a Christian education. And in addition to school, students are also attending church, and a lot of times the entire family will attend too. That $25 a month contribution also helps pay to train and retain teachers. Now this really surprised me. A well-trained teacher in Haiti makes about 1,800 Haitian good a month. That's about $20 a month in US currency. That's just crazy. Starfish Kids would love to support and train more kids and add additional schools to the ones they're already working with. I'd like to encourage you to sponsor a girl or a boy today through the great work of Starfish Kids. And you can learn more by visiting mercycompassion.org and clicking on the child sponsorship link. That's mercycompassion.org. And thanks for making a difference for a child today. John Tibbs released his first album back in 2010 and has gone on to release eight albums. He was touring as an independent artist, got signed to Fair Trade Music, and even had a tour with the Newsboys. He was back to being an independent artist and was as busy as ever, but then 2020 happened, and the world stopped. A global pandemic stopped his ability to tour, which for a musician means a substantial hit to your income. As I mentioned before, he and his wife were expecting their first child, which added even more stress into his life, and as you can imagine... John was feeling a bit apprehensive and frustrated. 
I'm going to let John tell the rest of the story. So let's listen to my conversation with John Tibbs. Well, it's an honor to have John Tibbs with us today on the podcast, all the way from Nashville, right? But not originally from Nashville. No, I was born in Kentucky. Okay. And grew up in uh, Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, home of the Groundhog. I was just going to say, so you, uh, Punxsutawney Phil, and you are good friends, right? (laughs) Super tight. (laughs) And then I went to college in Anderson, Indiana, right outside of Indianapolis. Okay. And we lived there a few years after graduating and uh, moved down here uh, January of 2015. So this is, I think, our seventh, the start to our seventh year. So did you move to Nashville for the music side of things? Is that why you had this there? Yes. I, for some reason, early on, I was so against ever coming here, which is crazy to me now because this is, this is, this is our home and I can't imagine being anywhere else. Yeah. But I, I was, I was, I was so against it. And um, basically I got signed and every time I was in the studio, I had to drive down here. It was a four and a half hour drive. It wasn't that bad, but it, we we were working on the record for six to eight months. And then I went out on tour with, with the newsboys. Hmm. And that was, a, that was probably about a 40, 45 date tour. And they departed and came back here on the buses. And that was every weekend, I think for 13 weekends straight, oh, wow. pretty much you leave Tuesday or Wednesday and you get home Monday. And, <laughs> And we still weren't done on the album. So I had to be, so I was like, I'm not going to be home for four or five months. That's not okay. So at that point we had to move. So, And you've, uh, we were talking about this a little bit before we started the podcast, but uh, just recently welcomed a new member to your family. You want to tell, tell her, introduce everybody. I mean, I'm not going to see him now, but introduce everybody to your, <laughs> your newest family member. Yes. So Emily and I had our firstborn, Jack Wolfgang Tibbs. Uh, he's born in October, so uh, he is here at the house, but he's asleep, so I can't talk. <laughs> so we need to whisper. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is this is this is a tiny house, so I probably should keep it down. <laughs> <laughs> so we won't be asking you to rock the mic today, uh, right? Yeah, now. <laughs> no, no. Well, let's let's start out. Um, we also talked a little bit about the fact that you and I are both preachers' kids, and that brings its own kind of unique mixed yeah. to who we are Experience. as individuals. So tell us a little bit about growing up, growing as a preacher's kid, and how did music fit into that mix? Yeah. I, well, I mean, I was singing in church when I was probably four. Okay. You know, born in Kentucky, tiny town, tiny church. So the offertories, I was up there quite a bit doing <laughs> a, doing either a song on the piano or singing and uh, then we moved and uh, the church in Punxsie was a little bit bigger and had a big youth group. And so I got involved in the youth worship band there and um, just had some great opportunities. Um, you know, I, uh, I, ha- I feel like I've had such an interesting experience as a pastor's kid. Uh, the like childhood part of it was, it was just perfect. Hmm. You know, um, I was very fortunate uh healthy church situation, healthy home life. And honestly just had a very large extended family. And, um, you know, I still count those people 
today as extra aunts and uncles and had a wonderful time. Now, after I graduated high school, I think things at the church started to get a little complicated in the inner workings of it all. My parents have been there for 16, 17 years at that time. Wow. And, yeah. and they moved suddenly to Illinois to take a job at a church because because I had some grandparents that were in that area who had some health issues. And so it was kind of, it was kind of like, well, we've been at this church for a long time. It's probably a good time to you know, do something different. Um, and uh, it'd be great to be back in the area because of all the health stuff. And I, uh, you know, basically my parents, I think kind of walked into that situation, not fully understanding all of the details that were hiding in that house. And so mm. it became a very unhealthy situation quickly. And that ended, I, I think probably, it, well, it ended kind of over, over, overnight and it caught my parents off guard. Mm. And so, you know, uh, they had just bought their very first home for the first time, like two months before that. Oh, wow. And dad was the senior pastor and my mom, I think was part-time there also. And so they had just moved across the country and all of a sudden didn't have a job. And, um, yeah, it, you know, it was, a it was a very painful thing for them. And it's painful to see that as their son. And yeah. And how did that affect you going through those situations? I mean, you're empathetic towards what mom and dad are going through, but that's got to have a toll on you. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, in, you know, I think I've, I think, you know, because that experience has happened and I've seen it plenty of other places too. And I've, you know, personally experienced things and I've just learned how uh, intricate and complicated it is when your faith and your faith community is tied to your personal finances. Mm, yeah. And I think that's something that's a, that isn't an old concept. I feel like that's a very contemporary thing you yeah. know uh to be a full-time pastor where like that is your job and you know obviously i've seen so many wonderful things about it but i think it does kind of need to get paused because you know when you think of the early church like that's not how it had been it had been a group of people saying you know like 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 you are the pastor you know yeah teach right and uh, like Paul was a know, tent maker, for example, he had a job and then preached on the weekends or in the evenings or whenever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's a lot of problems with that too. Cause then you're, you know, burning the candle on both ends. Right. <laughs> right. But, but, but anyways, all, 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 all to say is, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely intricate and complicated and, you know, I've got a lot of great friends who are pastors and I think very highly of them. I'm not sure. If I could ever do that again, I, I will work at a church full time. I was going to say, yeah, because you went, I mean, so it didn't scare you away enough to say, I'm not going to do it myself because it you happened, became a pastor for a while. Well, so here's the crazy thing. I had a great experience as a pastor's kid. I graduated college and I was a worship pastor at a church. I worked part-time through college. It was actually Emily's home church too. Okay. To add some extra complication to it. <laughs> it was a very, very big church, about 2,000 people, maybe 2,500. And they hired this punk kid out of college to transition from orchestra and choral to guitars and B3 organs. And Oh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> I was the guinea pig. <laughs> and 
And so I was doing that. And then I had a brother who was two years younger than me who had just graduated college and was a youth pastor in Indianapolis. And in the six month time span, the thing at the church for our parents kind of all fell apart. Right. And I've got a brother who was a youth pastor and his personal faith completely changed oh, wow. in a way that kind of just qualified him from being the pastor at that church. And that was also a very painful thing for him and for the church that there and for our, sure. our family. And then um, things at the church I was at, I feel like I would stay there too long. I felt like it was time for me to go to her, but I was so hesitant about it. Mm-hmm. And things at the church were just getting complicated and it was Emily's home church. And so it, there, there was a lot to it. All of that stuff I experienced in about a six month time period. No stress at um, all. None at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's how it goes. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think because of that, like all of those things happening at one time, um, it kind of opened my eyes because I saw it personally for us. You know, um, I was our only income. In Emily at the time, sorry, Emily was a college student. She did have a job, um, but like our goal was, you know, to get her out of college and you know just being at our parents and so yeah i mean um it is something that i think is a very special calling and i think it's taxing and i also think that like that the whole problem maybe sometimes it pops up with with the whole idea of like being a full-time pastor as a career is like maybe you shouldn't be a full-time pastor for your whole career maybe you should do it for 10 years Mm. you know yeah and like i think in our culture, there's such a ideal about building your career yeah. and that's speaking to the church world. And so it's like, maybe it should just be a season mm. and you go and you give of yourself for 10 years, because I think the only person that's really been on the surface capable of just giving to that capacity is Jesus. Mm, yeah. And, and he was Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and how does that fit into the music side of things too? Because as a music person yeah. unless you're writing for other people or you're a backup artist you know backing yes. somebody else up this is your life at the same time so your yeah. ministry is again your money yes yeah 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 no it's it's it 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 is connected but it's um but i but basically like i'm able to support ourselves by the kindness and generosity and continued support of people that that these songs I create mm. encourage mm-hmm. and help. And so it, it just feels a little bit different to yeah. me. Um, and, you know, I'm very fortunate uh, to have been able to do this. It's been a wonderful journey. COVID has been insane. I was just going to tell, go there. <laughs> yeah. As money being your, I mean, music being your income, and then all of a sudden you can't do music. Yeah, I can't tour. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and so, yeah, you had a baby come along during that time. And I mean, talk about another six months of stress. Uh, yeah, like 10 or 12. <laughs> uh, you know, Emily and I were always intentional to wait to have kids. And we thought we were picking the perfect time. Like the whole career thing I had was in a really good place. And Emily was about to graduate with her higher ed degree and had a teaching job that that fit that and so it's perfect time so we decided to try to have a kid and 
we got pregnant a month before COVID shut everything down. <laughs> and it was such a cool lesson to me. Yeah. It was like, how so? Well, you think you can control things and you think you can plan and schedule and, you know, I am such a organizer and a planner and um, part of that is good. Part of it comes out of a probably unhealthy place where I'm just trying to be in charge. Mm. And, you know, this whole season taught me like, you're not in charge. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and um, it's, it's, it's been amazing though, because everything's been okay for us personally, obviously COVID has been horrible and killed so many people. And, you know, there's a lot of, um, economic struggle today because of it, but we were okay. And, um, I think it's just been a lesson to me that's like, yes, you should plan and you should work hard and you should give your best and excellence and commit yourself to those things at the same time you're not in charge and you have to be okay with that. Yeah. Um, you're sounding a lot to me like a firstborn. Are you firstborn son? Yeah. I yeah. <laughs> firstborn as well. Firstborn okay. preacher's kid doer. Yeah, man. Everything's yeah. centered around what I do and how right. I get things done. How do you wrestle with that sense of, okay, it's out of my control. God, you take over because for me, it's like, okay, God, you take over, but how can I help? <laughs> you know? Yeah. How do, how do you deal with that? Uh, exercise, man. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, just like having those healthy outlets mm -hmm. to ground yourself uh, and to remind yourself of those truths because, you know, it, it's so important to say it, but I think we have to continue to get to, to give it over, you know, mm -hmm. in air quotes, like, cause he, he, he certainly has it, but, um, but I think it has to be a continued choice. Yeah. I had a, a counselor that I was seeing for a while that said, Dave, you're a great human doing. You're not a very good <laughs> human being. Oh, and man. to learn how to be in situations. And I think, you know, you're experiencing with your son, Jack, right now, opportunities. You, there's not much you can do with him. You can change his diaper. You can, you know, dance around with him. But more, he just needs you to be with him, right? And I wonder yeah. how often God looks at us as like, would you just relax in my arms and let me do stuff for you? Absolutely, man. It's a good point. Well, you, you were signed and... uh well, you started out indie, and then like everybody else, and then you got signed, but then you transitioned back to indie. Um, yes. There's some freedoms to that. There's some challenges to that. Talk about that transition to being an independent artist again and how that's working yeah. for you. Well, so I signed a deal to do an album, and we did that album, and it accomplished everything that that, that our team was you know out to accomplish, I guess. And when it came time to do a second record, I really just felt like I was losing a sense of the identity that I've hmm. that I had that had kind of got me to that point. Is that the fact that the record label's trying to mold you into something that they need? Yes, and you know they do that. Yeah, and they do that. I don't think they do it out of like out out of out of 
out of a place of like spite or anything like that. You know, they're just doing it as a business sense. Like right. their whole universe is like set on like an airplay hit. And, you know, the thing that I do is like, is like, I have like a group of people that deeply connect to the songs I make and I continue to put music out and they pass it on and that group gets a little bit bigger and it's very organic like that. And it isn't like an instant, you know, big song. Right. Um, and so, you know, I kind of came to them at the table. I was like, listen, I understand where you're coming from. Yes. Like it's possible to do that for this next record, you know, hire these people to make this album that get it sounding that way. But that isn't, that isn't who I am. That isn't the thing that brought me here. That's not the place where I would like to see myself going. So I, so I, I asked out of that contract and they were very gracious and very supportive and they were okay with that. Um, which is huge. Cause oftentimes when people in the situation I was in, try to ask out, they're like, you can't get out. Yeah. And, uh, and then they're just stuck. So I was very fortunate and so thankful for them. Also through that time of being signed, I quickly found out that it's a big business, but it's very small business. And mm-hmm. all those record companies, they kind of do the same thing and they outsource mm-hmm. a lot. And so I felt like, man, if I can get a distribution partner, and if I can get an advertising partner and, you know, I have been in town now for a few years and I got the connections to the producers that I would like to have help. And also that point, you know, was touring a lot and had the ability to pay to do the albums. And so we just kind of just kind of kicked that off and did it. We started in the first project came out in 2017 and we've put out brand new music every year since. Um, so upcoming in 2021, I've got a brand new song coming out on Friday, which by the time this podcast is out, it's going to be old, old news. <laughs> yeah. But I'm putting out 10 songs in so starting from February through December. And, um, you know, it's been, a, it's been a wonderful journey and I'm so thankful, you know, and especially, you know, kind of like we were talking about earlier, COVID made me so thankful that I could just pivot. Yeah. Because, you know, as an independent, you have to pay for everything, but then you own it. And so, right. you know, I I had these projects that I had owned that, you know, um, that kind of really helped helped ensure that when this was all done, I would be able to get back out there. And mm-hmm. so I'm very thankful for that. And, um, man, I feel like, you know, I've been doing that full time for seven years, eight years, eight years. Wow. Um, the end of eight years here in the spring. Wow. Um, and I feel so much like kind of going into COVID season shutdowns. I almost was feeling a little bit tired and just like I'd been doing the same stuff. And this season has been such a breath and it's enabled me to have space and to Mm -hmm. see like, Oh, maybe I don't have to do all of those things. Yeah. And, and that has been exciting for me. I feel like I'm just getting started again. Yeah. And so I'm really, really excited about the future and so thankful for the opportunities. You know, I get to do this and yeah. Well, you, uh, the last big album that you got out was the wilder years was your last biggie, but then you came out with hymns from a room, which was kind of what I sensed is this is me in my home, stuck at home singing my songs. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So that so that first year you're talking about that that was a studio recording and that came out beginning of beginning of March in 2020. 
And I remember I was going out on a maybe 30 day tour with a band called I am day. It was oh, just cool. us two. It was good. It was going to be a wonderful tour. Yeah. And we did three shows right as the album came out and they were wonderful shows. They're in Iowa and uh, like came home and we got up the next day on the bus while we we're going to town. And that was the day that like the stock market crashed really yeah. big. And, and like, I'd been paying attention. Like I knew everything that was going on o- overseas with COVID and was like, ah, I think this is going to be a thing here for us. <laughs> but really honestly just thought it was going to be like a, like be like, okay, I'll probably get a couple of concerts canceled. Mm-hmm. Had no idea on the scale. And, you know, I got home and I had a show myself before jumping back out on the tour Friday through Sunday. So I had, a concert Thursday. I had to get up early, head to the airport, like it, like early. Like, um, and that night before was the night that was announced that Tom Hanks had COVID and the mm-hmm. NBA canceled right when the tip off. And I just remember thinking, I may wake up and I'm not going to leave tomorrow. And I don't even know if I should leave tomorrow. We're right. pregnant. Like, you know, I, and, uh, I remember, uh, I was packing a suitcase and, it was early and I was like, I don't know what to do. And I was packing the suitcase. I was going back and forth between the suitcase. I was spread out in our bedroom and in the closet. And I was so kind of dazed off and thinking about what I should do that I totally forgot. And so I was just pacing back and forth from the mm-hmm. closet to the suitcase, not packing a thing. And sure enough, I got the text saying, Hey, if you're headed to the airport, head home, but this is going to happen. And so it was the first like, two weeks of cancer or concerts and a couple of days into it, you saw everything going on. You're like, yeah. I don't think, I don't think that we're going to be going out anytime soon. <laughs> and so of course everything is canceled. And out of that season, you know, I, I had just put out a brand new EP and uh, you know, it's been really encouraging to me personally. It's like still done fantastic. Um, but you know, I was very app- apprehensive and down about that. Yeah. I was very proud per out of all of those songs um you know had a great spring tours and dates all lined up and just really felt defeated and <clears throat> i was just at at home and the hymn it is all all l just kind of came to me and i hadn't thought about that song in forever and suddenly it was right there and yeah. i just grabbed the guitar and started just playing it and it felt so peaceful and it felt true yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, gave me hope. And so I was like, man, I, I just need to do this. And so I just sat down and did an EP, just acoustic and vocal in a bedroom, completely different than anything I've ever done. And just put it out. And I was like, I don't know. And, you know, I, I think it was pretty funny. I was telling someone the other day the story that I, so to get to a distribution, to get it out to Spotify and Apple and everything, you have to have like a good bit of a, heads up for mm. them to get it out there and we'll finish it beginning of April. And they're like, we'll, we'll get it out, but it was going to be like 60 days or something like that. And I was like, I'm afraid that once this is gone, this, this kind of time to connect people in this way is going to be gone. Like yeah. I'm afraid this is already over. And I was so wrong. <laughs> so I did <laughs> yeah. the first EP and had a wonderful connection to it. And I thought, let's just keep doing this. So I did a second hymns EP. Uh, and then, so I'm doing a third this spring, um, because people just continue to connect to it. Um, I, I haven't really ever had any success on 
Pandora, and there was a him on the second EP that's been streamed like 500,000 times, and we have no wow. idea how. Wow. And yeah, so it's just been really, really cool because it because I felt as if those songs were teaching me and comforting me, and it's, it is such a different thing than anything I've done. It's just personal and acoustic and yeah. very just direct and to the point and simple. And I was afraid people aren't going to like it, but people just been connecting to it. So um, we're, we're just going to keep doing that. So. so I guess that answers my next question because you've been kind of this Midwest rocker uh, and I've yeah. appreciated that because I like, you know, real, real guitar, real drums, as opposed to the pop stuff. There's nothing wrong with the pop stuff. Just not what I prefer. Yeah. Yeah, but it, now you've got all this success with this kind of acoustic solo stuff. Yeah. Do you think that's going to change your long-term thing or is this just a season? Yeah, no, this is, this is, this is just a season. You know, I, I, um, I think this is just a season. I cannot wait to get back into the studio <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I've got all the songs, you know, picked and planned. I just need to wait. Yeah till it's it is a smart time to do it and so but but at the same time i didn't want to just kind of not do anything right yeah and so yeah no this is absolutely just the season um and i get back in there those amps are going to get cranked all the way up so well, um, I know you've got uh, Jack sleeping in the other room and you need to get to attend to him. But one of the things that we do every Saturday, we send out our prayer newsletter and ask uh, folks to pray for musicians and the things that they're going through. What is it that we can be praying for you and Emily and Jack and, and your music ministry here in the days and weeks ahead? Yeah, for strength and for peace. Um, those are the two things that I think that like God is in us and offers us. And... Um, those are the two things that I've just been clinging to. Mm. And so his continued strength because he has, you know, seen us through and he has given us such a great peace too. So I hope you enjoyed getting to know John. As he mentioned during our chat, his third EP of hymns is just about ready to be released. And he's graciously shared the first song off that record. So let's listen to Holy, Holy, Holy by John Tibbs. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty Early in the morning Thy song shall rise to Thee Holy, holy, holy Merciful
As always, thanks for joining me for this conversation today. I am grateful that we get to spend this time together each week hearing stories of God's amazing faithfulness. As a regular listener to this podcast, would you mind taking a few minutes and rating it on your favorite podcast app? Reviews and ratings really help spread the word so that other folks can hear about these great conversations. And if you have comments or questions for me, please feel free to drop me a message on any of the social media platforms. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon by searching for at CCMExchange. Or you can always drop me an email on the website ChristianMusicArchive.com. I'm really looking forward to our time together next week when I have another great conversation with one of the musicians you'll find on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. So until then, remember this. God loves you. In fact, he's crazy about you. <laughs>